right. Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, um, I'd like you to do something for me. If you're a dad, we're not going to applaud you just yet, but if you're a dad, would you stand up, please, right now? Stand up. That, that's, no, don't, don't applaud yet. Don't applaud yet. I said, don't applaud yet. Thanks, guys, for standing up. I, I just want you to stand for the rest of the service during the message and, and, and all of that. Well, you know, being a dad is uh, a wonderful joy and sometimes a challenge as well. And before applauding you, we want to pray God's blessing upon you as a dad. So let's pray. We thank you for fathers, for grandfathers, great-grandfathers. We thank you for your father heart for us, Lord. Would you bless these men, those watching online, with wisdom and grace and joy and laughter that they might create living, beautiful legacy that's not just about after we're gone, but we live in it today and tomorrow. Bless and strengthen. We also pray today for those who miss our dads, who would love to have been a dad, for those for whom the word dad or father has negative connotations, would you draw close to them too? So we thank you for this opportunity and we say, God bless these dads. We agree together in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. And now they burst into amazing applause. If you're sitting next to a dad who just stood up, just turn to him and say, jolly well done, jolly well, jolly well done, that's good. Well, welcome to Timberline. Uh, so good to see everybody this weekend. And we're beginning a brand new teaching series, uh, God's Nature, Tracing His Fingerprints. That's what we're going to be looking at for the next few weeks. What does God's creation, what does nature tell us about the nature of God. The Bible begins with the statement, in the beginning, God created. No apology, no explanation, qualification. It just says right at the start, in the beginning, God created. Doesn't try to explain it. He did it. And this weekend, we're thinking about cosmos, the cosmos. The title, the subtitle is The God Who Sets the Stage. So I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 1, and then some words from the psalmist. Genesis 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And then in Psalm 19, the psalmist celebrates these words and truths. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. If you've been around Timberline for a while, you know that my life is filled with embarrassing incidents uh, week after week, I collect more, and this is due to the spectacular gift of ineptitude that God has given 
to me. And just in the last couple of weeks, a couple of new ones have surfaced for your joy and delight. <laughs> this week, I said to uh, Richard, our facilities um, director, we, we have a great facilities team here at Timberline. And I said, Richard, I said, I wonder if you can help me out. My office feels a little dark and dim, and I, I think maybe I need some new, some new light bulbs in my office. said, no problem, Pastor Jeff, I can, I can sort that out for you. So the next day, I bump into Richard, and I said, how, how, how did the light bulb changing expedition go? And he said, well, I went to the store, got light bulbs, put the light bulbs in, and, but they're, they're putting out the same amount of light. And, and, he said, and he said, then I noticed something. He said, Pastor Jeff, in your office, which you've been in for now a year, they are dimmer switches. <laughs> Doesn't get much dimmer than that, does it? I said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then Kay and I decided to do a home project with great joy and anticipation. She said to me, we've got these chairs out on our deck. You recognize these things, and they're, they're, they're kind of held together by these stringy, stringy things at the side. And we've had them for 15 years, so they were, they were breaking and stretching. And I, I said, fear not, for we shall restring these. Thanks for your support. <laughs> I said, well, so I got onto Amazon and I ordered the things and, and, and I, we did the first chair together and it went great, it was great. And then we get onto the second chair and I did the, we did the whole left side and then Kay distracted me. It was, it was her fault, basically. So I've been cutting off the old strings just to move things along and so I've just strung the whole left-hand side and I grabbed the scissors and I cut what we've just laced. <laughs> and Kay looked at me with a look I've seen many times. <laughs> and I said, honey, I'm so sorry that you married such a stupid man. And she smiled and nodded. Why did I do that? Because I didn't notice. God wants us to notice. To notice what he has made. Annie Dillard says rather beautifully, we are here to witness the creation and abet it. We are here to notice each thing so that each thing gets noticed. Together we notice not only each mountain shadow and each stone on the beach, stone on the beach, but especially we notice the beautiful faces and complex natures of each other. Otherwise, I love this, otherwise creation would be playing to an empty house. The language of the stage, the theater, he's the God who sets the stage and he wants us to notice because his character is revealed through his nature that he's created. Creation points to the creator's personality. 
And often when we start talking about creation, Christians start arguing. We, we want to argue, you know, did God do it in six literal 24-hour periods? Or, and, and some people say, well, I just believe what the Bible says, but then the Bible is not emphatically clear in the language that it uses. And there have been great Christians throughout Christian history who have believed that God did it in six 24-hour periods. There have been great Christians in Christian history who believe that that's a, uh, that it's a seasonal period of time thing that's being talked about. And in case you're worried, could God do it in six 24-hour periods? Yes, he could. He could do it in six seconds if he wanted to. Let's not argue about the mechanics and miss the wonder. We're thinking about the cosmos. The word cosmos means orderly or harmonious universe. And what he makes shows us who he is. If you come to my house, you will find hidden downstairs a cabinet that I bought from a Swedish company. This company is on an agenda to make Christian leaders think unchristian thoughts. <laughs> uh, you know, and I won't, I won't you know, mention who it is. That wouldn't be fair to Ikea. But I went there <laughs> and I got the Swedish meatballs, which are great because you don't have to put them together. You just eat them. <laughs> but everything else comes in a flat pack with indecipherable instructions. And I always, actually, they are quite decipherable, but what happens to me is I get confident and I say to Kay, don't need the instructions. <laughs> it's going to be okay. Remember the chair? <laughs> and you come to our house and there's a rather wonky-looking cabinet with a minor item missing, like a door. And that cabinet testifies to my character and gifting, which means... I don't have it. The nature, creation, speaks to us of God. The theologians talk about Magnalia Dei, the magnificent works of God. The poet Gerald Manley Hopkins speaks of the world being charged with the grandeur of God. So if you're following in the bulletin, let's, let's see what we can see. First of all, God is bigger larger than life itself. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Another translation of Psalm 19, the heavens tell about the glory of God, the skies show that his hands created them. Now, let's just think about that. God said, let there be light. Light is the basis of everything. And he just said it, and it was. And he made this earth. The earth is 24,000 miles in circumference, beautiful planet. Uh, we might feel like we're just sitting down right now, but right now the earth is spinning at around a thousand miles an hour. It takes one complete turn every 24 hours, and currently we are speeding through space at 67,000 miles an hour. Uh, you might think you're not going to get much done today, but you're actually going to travel 1.3 million miles today. And that's the earth. And there's one star in our solar system, that's the sun. The sun with 10,000 degree heat. 
Fahrenheit degree heat on, um, on the surface of the sun. The sun 93 million miles away, so because light travels at 186,000 miles a second, the light we get from the sun is eight minutes old. And the sun is big. It's big. If the earth was the size of a golf ball, the sun would be 15 feet in diameter. You can fit around a million earths inside the sun, but that's nothing. That's nothing. Then there's Canis Majoris. It used to be the biggest star that we discovered in the universe. It's now the second biggest, the big dog star, they call it. And if the earth was a golf ball, Canis Majoris would be the size of Mount Everest. And you could put 7,000 trillion Earths inside that star. Now that's what I'm talking about. I've often wondered about that phrase, now that's what I'm talking about. And I looked it up on Google and it says, now that's what I'm talking about is a phrase that you can use when you haven't necessarily been talking about it. But now that's what I'm talking about. You see, this great God, neutron stars that have such a density that scientists say that one teaspoon of matter, one teaspoon from a neutron star would weigh a billion tons. I, I can't get my head around that at all. And that's the point. You see, this God that we worship, he is awesome. That word's overused, isn't it, awesome? I, I, I think so. There's lots of words that are irritating me a little bit at the moment. I ordered a cheeseburger recently, and the, the service, a cheeseburger, perfect. Perfect? I didn't know a cheeseburger had a morality. It's great. Well, people don't say, I agree. I agree with you. They say, 100%. 100%. 100, I mean, what are you supposed to do if they say 92.7%? <laughs> and another one is awesome. I ordered a pepperoni pizza, and this lovely lady, she said, that's awesome. No, it's not awesome. <laughs> Earl and Judy, the beautiful couple who were celebrating 50 years of marriage yesterday, we went to their, their celebration. Now that's awesome, a couple hand in hand for 50 years. And the sunrise, that's awesome. And lovely Mabel, who's one of our seniors in, in prime timers, who just exudes grace. She's awesome. A pepperoni pizza is not awesome. Excuse me a moment. But God is, he's awesome, we worship him, and we trust him. We can't begin to get our minds around the size of creation, but his greatness demands our trust. Honoré Nguyen, who wrote many beautiful books, his last book that was published the day of his death, The Inner Voice of Love, Newman had often written about faith, and faith is celebrated in the Bible. But in his last book, he used the word trust 65 times. Somehow he'd realized that trust, which perhaps is a marriage between faith and hope, that we could trust this God. 
looking around here, thinking of you watching online, I know some of us, we're trusting God in, in the darkest day. Can I slow down for a moment and just say this? Thank you. Thank you for trusting him. When your mind could no more understand what's going on right now than it could understand how a teaspoon could hold something that weighs a billion tons. Your brain explodes at the thought, but you look at you. You're trusting. And not only is that beautiful in the eyes of others who behold it, but more importantly, more significantly, it is truly beautiful in the eyes of God who sees it. Secondly, God is near. God is near. He is closer than close. Sadly, there's this idea that prevails that God is up there somewhere. What is it Bette Midler sings? From a distance. In fact, Allow me to share that song with you, unaccompanied. <laughs> Some of you are shaking your heads. Some of you are really nervous. From a no. I love murdering that song in the shower, but it's not a good one. It's pretty, but it's not theologically accurate because God is out there, but he's also right here. And when you feel that God is just out there, prayers like lobbing snowballs at the moon. It's a long distance call. Hello? Hello? Anyone there? Dallas Willard said, some think that God is a Wizard of Oz type being sitting in a location very remote from us. The universe is then presented to us chiefly as a vast empty space with a humanoid God and a few angels rattling around in it. Of such a God, we can only say good riddance. It seems that when many people pray, they do have such an image of God in their minds. They therefore find praying psychologically impossible or extremely difficult. No wonder. You see, when Jesus taught us to pray, our Father who is in heaven, the actual wording is, our Father who is in the heavens. And the heavens include the air immediately around our bodies. He is omnipresent, which means, yes, he is out there, but yes, he is right here. Prayer is not a long-distance call. The Spirit of God is revealed as being close. Genesis chapter 1, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And the psalmist celebrates the closeness of God. God's love is meteoric. His loyalty astronomic, his purpose titanic, his verdicts oceanic. Yet in his largeness, nothing gets lost. Not a man, not a mouse slips through the cracks. I am amazed at the detailed work of God in his creation. His intricate, microscopic detail. And because of the way we are limited in our hearing, for example, we can't hear the whale singing. And we don't discern the fact that the meadowlark has 300 notes. We don't know that the earthworm sings. Did you know that? It's only got one note, so the song's a bit tedious. It's not going to be a hit. But the earthwork has a one-note song. The hydrogen atom emits 100 frequencies 
It's more musical than the grand piano that has 88 frequencies. The electronic shell of the carbon atom produces the same harmonic scale as the Gregorian chant. He's the God of the details, the God who is close. Again, the psalmist says, you hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. He's close. And if he wants to hear the one-note song of the worm, he'd like to hear from us. And he'd like to hear our whispered prayers. And I'm trying to reframe my view of prayer. Because I've been a Christian for a long time. And here's what I've told myself. I've said, self, you are not very good at praying. Because I'm not. I'm an activist. My mind wanders. I start praying and then I think, what's on TV? Does this happen to anybody else? Raise your hand if it happens. Raise your hand if you just lied because you didn't raise your hand. And I like to pray when I'm walking because it's difficult to fall asleep while walking. You don't walk along just... But I've started to reframe that because I felt like I'd sentenced myself to the idea that I just couldn't pray very well. And I've started to re reframe my view of praying with God as close... So that instead of prayer being a workspace, oh, this is hard work, I've started to view prayer as hiding place. Let's, let me snuggle up. And it's changing, changing me. He's close. Let's sing. Let's whisper. Let's pray. Thirdly, God is the majestic artistic missionary. Let's talk theology for a moment. Theologians talk about general revelation, that's creation, and specific revelation, that's the message of the gospel. And the truth is that God is out there preparing the hearts of humanity to hear the good news. Anthropologists for a long time taught that the, the uh, primitive tribes out there that have been undiscovered until recently, that they all worshipped idols. But it's now been discovered that 90% of the tribes that are discovered believe in one supreme being. They often talk about the sky god. Now this is because in general revelation, God has speaking to humanity about himself. Romans chapter 1 says that. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. So when you look at a mountain, and we live in such a beautiful place, something in your heart is stirred, not just to admire it, but to think of how it was made. It's one of the problems about being an atheist. You haven't got anybody to thank. But God has put eternity in our hearts, says Ecclesiastes 3. He has set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So God has set the stage in creation. And then sometimes he does unusual things as well, particularly with people who've not had the opportunity to hear the gospel. Yesterday I was reading about... Uh, a group of people in Ethiopia, the Gadoa people. And they had never in 150 years had any kind of engagement outside of their tribe. But in 1940, a man called Wara Rasa 
had a dream that two white men were coming into their village with a book, and this would explain who God was. Eight years later, two Canadian missionaries who didn't intend to go to that village, but I think had some issues with their jeep, they drove into the village, drove straight up to that man with a book. And the result of that 30 years later is that there are 200 churches in that people group, each with a number of around 200 people attending them. God has gone out of his way to set the stage. Around the world today, there are Muslims coming to Christ because they're seeing signs in the sky. Ladies and gentlemen, can I just stop right now here and say, this stuff is true. This is not some Sunday morning activity. Well, what should we do? Let's go sing a few songs. And This is true. And I think we need to remember that God is the one who sets the stage. What application does that have with us? Well, I think we expect to be rejected when we talk about Jesus. That's what our culture has told us. Yeah, no one will be interested to hear that. It's not true. Last weekend, Kay and I were out of town, and we went to a restaurant with some friends. Uh, we were in the Castle Rock area, and um, we went into this restaurant, and uh, we started to visit, and a, a, a young lady who was not our server, she was on the staff, she walked by me, and she, she tapped me on the shoulder, and she said, nice shirt, nice shirt. Now, of course, she's right. Being a fashion leader is very difficult. A burden I've happily accepted. Although pride cometh before a fall, because I said that in the last service, a guy came up to me at the welcome center. He said, six out of 10 for today's shirt. I'm sorry. <laughs> so she said to me, nice shirt. And I said, thanks a lot. Then another guy from the staff came. He said, I like that shirt. I said, thank you so much. And about five minutes later, she came back by, and I just felt a little nudge in my heart. So I said, uh, I said, you just said something five minutes ago to me, and that was really nice of you. I said, would you mind if I said something to you that I hope you'll find helpful? And, and she said, yeah. <laughs> and I was expecting the, oh, you know, oh, no. So I just, I just said, do you know, Bo, her name's Bo. I said, Bo, God really loves you. He really, really loves you. And she started to weep. And she said, you just made my night. And she, we, we chatted a bit more, and her manager was hovering, wondering why customers were making their staff cry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, knowing, knowing the way it goes for me, I'm going to talk about Jesus and get kicked out of the restaurant. That would be nice, wouldn't it? And she came back about five minutes later, and I'll never forget this. She said, my excuse for coming back is to pick up your silverware, but it's an excuse. I just wanted to come back. And she just was with us. Now, I don't tell you that story to make me look good. On the contrary, because I've not been very good lately about talking about Jesus one-on-one. -on -one. It's quite easy up here. It's not as easy there. 
But we visited some more, and I said, you know, I said, I write books and stuff. So I've sent her a book this week with, a, with an invoice. And uh, <laughs> no, I haven't. No, I haven't. Hey, Donnie's got to get his commission somewhere, right? <laughs> but I sent her a book this week. And my point being, and I've got two minutes to go with, with two points. <sighs> my point really is this. I was anticipating rejection. And we, we say, oh, I'd like to invite my neighbor to Timberline, but they pro they'll probably go, nah, no, no, that's intrusive. Well, they may just be waiting because God has already been stirring something and preparing their hearts. Number four, God is the biggest lender. The earth is his. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If you want to irritate some Christians, just say the word environmentalism. So allow me to say that word again, environmentalism. And what happens is so often we have turned that into a political argument rather than a kingdom reality. The truth is the earth belongs to the Lord. He's the biggest lender. We don't own it. We are tenants of it. And so Christians should not be backing away from responsible creation care. We should have been leading the way a long time ago. But we vacated the space and then other crazy stuff has come in which has given us the opportunity to criticize it. Ooh, I'm getting a bit heavy here. We should be leading the way not because we worship planet Earth but because we worship creator God. Someone say amen or something. Gosh. I'm working up a sweat here, people. Hang on a sec. It's 180 calories just went. Let's lead the way. And let's wrap this up because the last thing is that God is the biggest spender. He gave his son. Did I share with you earlier, because I've done this thing a couple of times now. Did I, did I tell you how long it would take to get to that big star? Did I tell you that bit? Thanks, those of you listening there. <laughs> if you wanted to get to Canis Majoris, why don't we go? Let's, let's do one, a trip. If you were able to travel at 186,000 miles a second, which means you could traverse, go round the earth six times in one second, if you could go that quick, it would take you 19,000 years. But that's not the longest distance traveled. The longest distance traveled is from the throne of glory To being a speck in the virgin's womb, he humbled himself. And he came, Jesus came. God is the biggest spender. He spent his son so that you and I could not just get a dab of religion to help us through, so that you and I could live according to the maker's instructions. Did you know, sir? Did you know, ma'am? 
that you were always, you were born, you are breathing, you were created to have a relationship with God. That's the maker's instructions. I, I can hear someone saying, I, I'm not religious. I am not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship with God. Maker's instructions. Yesterday, our washing machine broke down. I said to Kay, let's find the instructions. I can fix this. She said, I beg you. <laughs> Jesus came so that you and I could live according to the way that we were designed. Sir, you were never designed to stand on your own two feet. You were never designed to navigate the labyrinth of pathways, which is life on planet Earth, and to do that by yourself. The Bible has a word for that, lost. In a few seconds, we're going to pray. But during that prayer, there's going to be an opportunity if you'd like to begin that journey with Jesus. You'd like to say, I know now I need him. And by faith, I invite him to take charge of my life. Not just a Sunday morning blessing, but at 10.55 on Father's Day 2022, you making a decision that maybe 30 years from now, you'll look back on and say, that was the day. That was the morning when I decided that I was going to follow Jesus. And I'm being quiet because I want to speak to the person who's thought, I'll just go to church with them today because it's Father's Day. Let's, let's, let's get in, get it done, eat the chicken. And here you are, standing on the threshold of the biggest junction of your life. So we're going to pray. Would you bow your head with me? We thank you, Father, for your mighty power. You are in the heavens, but you are our Father who is in the heavens, out there, right here. We can trust you. Would you strengthen those who are walking the pathway of ruthless trust right now? Would you lift their heads and their hearts? Would you help us to be a people of the story that explains the glory? Help us to get rid of the idea that we must always anticipate rejection. Lead us into conversations, moments with neighbors and friends. And you've gone ahead, you've set the stage. May we be part of their journey towards you. Finally, Lord, we want to pray that in this moment, in this auditorium, people watching online, thank you for this opportunity for people to make that choice. 
Holy Spirit, do your work for the glory of Christ. Let's keep our heads bowed. And if you want to make that decision, I'm going to whisper a prayer and you whisper it in your heart. It's you making this step. This is big. It's huge. So here's the prayer. If you're saying, I want to become a Christian. Jesus, I need you. I come in faith now. Believing that you are. Believing that you love me. Choosing now to offer you myself. I invite you to come into my life, not just to bless me in this moment, but to take charge. Forgive my sin, cleanse me. Here I am, 1059, I decide. Thank you for all that you've done to make this happen. Your work on the cross, your power over death, I decide. Let's just keep our heads bowed for one more moment. And I want to ask you very simply to do something. If you've just prayed that prayer because you're coming to Christ, I want to ask you to slip up your hand for a moment, hold it there, and then put it down again. Would you do that right now, please? And thank you at the back there and over in the middle there. Others, you say, I've just used that prayer because I want to know Jesus. Let me see your hand for a moment, please. Thank you. Thank you. So reveal yourself to each one. Thank you for this Holy Spirit-charged moment. We give you praise. We celebrate with the angels. You are mighty and you are good. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Hey, some people have just made some pretty big decisions around here. Could we celebrate that? Give thanks to God. He is wonderful. Let's worship Him. Uh, I invite you to stand with me if you're able, and let's sing.